Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am J.P. Mosher. And we're here to celebrate. Hang on. You all right over there? Oh, my goodness. We're here to celebrate the greatest (laughs) songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should, too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. So, (laughs) movie month moves right along. Yeah, it does. And today's song was a case of, I loved the song before I knew it was even a song for a cult classic movie. Yeah. So, I'd never seen this movie before until doing research, and uh, we have a very special guest who played on this track, slash tracks right and has a great life in the music industry rob tell them who we're hanging out today with we're <laughs> and the movie that we're talking about and what song we're covering we are talking to joe vitale today he is the drummer that you're going to hear on this version of this song and with the band that played another popular version of this song we're going to get into all of it but let's start here this is in the city by joe walsh from the warriors from the warriors Hit them with that second verse, Joe. They didn't hear you on the first one. That's In the City by Joe Walsh from the soundtrack to The Warriors from 1979. So we're going to talk a lot of 1979 in this episode because that song was also recorded by the Eagles. Excuse me. That song was also recorded by... Eagles, Eagles in that same year. Listen, we're just going to, there's no way we're going to be able to keep up with that all episode. <laughs> so we're going to put a, a temporary pause on, on the, the censorship. <laughs> Y'all just understand Don Henley, don't sue us. Okay. <laughs> we know we you say, were going to be our guest soon. Yeah. But uh, don't let this refrain that. Don't sue us if we say the Eagles instead of Eagles. Uh, but. Eagles also recorded that song in 1979 on their album, The Long Run, uh, and the Warriors movie came out in 79, as did uh, the Joe Walsh single from the movie. So, a lot of 1979 happening. Uh, the song was written by Joe Walsh and Barry Dvorzen, Uh, but we're going to be talking with Joe Vitale, who has written a lot with Joe Walsh, longtime bandmate and a longtime touring member of the Eagles. So, excuse me, longtime touring member of Eagles. <laughs> it's going to be hard to not correct myself. It's such a habit now. Um, and so really cool stories from him. Um, you know, really- and he actually played congas on Eagles version right. of this. So yes. he played percussion, percussion. versus kit 
on right. their on their recording. Yes, but he played uh, drum kit on the Joe Walsh version. Excuse me, that's Joe Walsh, not the Joe Walsh. <laughs> um, no, anyway, sorry, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I, a lot of things I love about this song, um, and some things that are just like ingrained in my brain in certain ways. Um, so I'll just kind of dive right into it. Actually, first, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, first, so the Joe Walsh version didn't really chart, um, but it's kind of funny because I feel like you still hear it pretty much as equal as equally as often as you hear the Eagles version. Yeah, right. It's like, and they're so similar. It's not a huge difference if you don't know what you're listening. And yes, for. Joe Walsh played in Eagles. Right. So yes, there you Joe go. Walsh, member of the Eagles, and sang this version. I mean, it's it's a, it's pretty much a copy paste with a couple of exceptions that we'll talk about. Um, but I feel like they kind of get equal airplay now. I could be wrong, but. Um, it's, you know, unless you know the secrets that we're about to share with you, you may not even be able to tell the difference. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the way the melody goes up at the end of the verse is kind of like just mesmerizing to me, like, and the way it hangs. So what we've got over there, over there. So what we've got there is a five over four chord. So you get, uh, at the end of that verse, you get. You know what key we're in? I think we're in A, key okay. of A. So what's going to happen is he's going to play a D. Guitar is going to move up to an E, but the bass is going to stay on a D. Right here. Love that. And it's like, and also the bass goes like up an octave. Oh, yeah, an octave. So it sounds like the bass is moving, but it's not. Same notes, just same a different note, octave. Different octaves. Boom, 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 you know, whatever. Um, love a good bass octave slide, dude. That's one of my tricks. That's I'll be <laughs> sliding all over the place, dude. <laughs> Learned it from Michael Anthony and just never stopped doing it. Um, but yeah, I love that. A five over four chord is, is like a, is like asking me, do you want cheese on that? Like. <laughs> That's absolutely great. that's great absolutely that's wanna, awesome uh and then <laughs> uh then the chorus does another thing that i just love and listen if you've ever played piano in church in a church where like you play behind the pastor while he's praying or setting up his sermon or even like if if he's giving like an invitation um or you know people are getting prayed for in the altar and you just need a vamp this song has your answer. Okay. <laughs> this is the most classic vamp that you could possibly play. And it's over the chorus of this song. One. Four over one. Five over one. Four over one. Over and over and over. That progression, one, four over one, five over one, or you could call it a one major nine if you wanted to, um, and then back to the four over one. So if we're in A, A, D over A, where the bass doesn't move, keep your left hand same, E over A, D over A, for eternity. It <laughs> never gets old. It always feels good. You can play it endlessly. You can play it fast. You can play it slow. <laughs> Does not matter. That is your vamp for life. If you can't think of anything else to play, one, four over one, five over one, four over one. There you go. Until service is over. Okay. <laughs> it just feels good, dude. Um, 
So yeah, I love that. Over the pe- over the pedal tone one. I don't know if we've used the term pedal tone in a while, but that's where the the uh, the the organ pedal stays down on the floor and the chords move around it. And if you're a bass player, you just sit on that root right. on boom, the one. Yeah. Boom 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 boom. Easiest gig as a bass player, <laughs> right? That chorus, great. The um, so the, okay. I I had never thought about this before, but I was like, oh crazy the way the chorus gets back to the verse sounds like a key change but isn't okay talk, okay talk me through it so let's take a listen so it's like all of a sudden, what we've got, we introduced this flat seven chord coming out of the chorus. So we're... And it makes it sound like it's going to, to, a, to a four one of a different key. <clears throat> but all it's really doing is a flat seven chord, which we haven't heard yet in this song. And then going down to the four chord because the rest of the time the riff starts on the one chord, ba ba, right? Mm-hmm. But they're already on the one chord. So how are we going to get back from the one chord to the four chord without sounding boring? Yeah, right. Yeah. And so he goes, okay, let's play that flat seven. But it tricked my ear a little bit. It made me feel like is it a straight up flat seven or is it a yeah, flat it's seven like a over okay. G D? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like. But it made me feel like, oh, did I miss a key change somewhere? Mm-hmm. That's really what it feels like to me is there was a key change, and now we're getting back to the original yeah. key somehow, and I missed it. But you go back and listen, and you're like, no, there's nothing uh-huh. nothing changed. It's just this use of the like circle of fifths and this introducing the seven, seven flat chord. <laughs> then you're back. One, five... Four. So it's back. It just feels funny. Yeah. It just feels a little not bad funny, good funny, which is the, <laughs> the best kind of funny, you know? Um Yeah, I don't know. I just I just love everything about this song. And of course you got anytime you got Joe Walsh playing slide, it's great. Where's he rank among your like favorite slide players? Slide players? That's good. I mean uh, let's let's just throw off, off the top of our head. Oh, we don't gosh. have to rank them. I'm gonna just leave one, out some ones that we like. Dwayne yeah. Allman. Yeah. Bonnie Raitt. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, Joe Bonamassa. Bonham, yeah. Uh, Derek Trucks. Derek Trucks, is, is yeah. probably it. Warren Haynes. For me. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Scott Hunley. There you go, Scott. There you go. Scott, yep. play some good slide. There you go. Um, not us. Neither of us. <laughs> That's right. You, you, I've seen you play some slide with Neither a Coke bottle. You it, can impromptu slide. Pull I, it up. My, my slide playing is atrocious, bro. <laughs> atrocious. Um. It's it's always funny when you hear like somebody that you know is like a wicked good guitar player and then they pick up a slide and it's like several notches below what <laughs> you feel like it should be, right? Yeah. Like Ty Tabor, King's X, uh, not good, not on, good a slide. on slide. Eddie Van Halen, not great on a slide. Um, you know, like it's just crazy. Yeah. You just you just go, it's not like they can't play it. I'm trying to think of somebody that was like, Wow, I didn't expect them to be that good on slide. I need to think of Oh on that. yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sure there's people out there, but it's like, yeah, 
I don't know. Oh, I'll tell you who's really good on slide is the guy that played on your album, Co- Cody. Oh, Co- Colby Tao. Colby. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely. That's right. There's our local uh, slide Also, guy. Rand Bluesman, now available wherever you get fine music. That's right. Uh, yeah, I played with him uh, last week, actually, at a yeah. little blues night thing in, in Chattanooga. Yeah, dude, he's, he's killer. He's good. You can uh, check out the song uh, Sneaking. It's got Colby on, go. on slide, kicking it. There you go. Uh, okay. Why don't we... I'm about to get into like some weeds with some things. You want to stop and meet the band before I start talking about the Eagles? Yes. You want to meet the band on Joe's? All right. Sounds good. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! All right, so we're going to meet the band. Uh, this meet the band section, I mean, how do you do this? Because this is multiple tracks. So here's how we're going to do it, or multiple things. I'm going to talk on Barnstorm okay. because that was Joe Walsh's band at the time of this. Okay. But there'll be some disclaimers as we go through. So right. Joe Walsh on guitar, Joe on drums, who we talked about earlier and we have at the end, so hang around. Yeah. The bass player for Barnstorm at the time is Kenny Passarelli. Okay. He's on bass. But hold on, though, because Kenny doesn't play on the Warriors soundtrack. Okay. So on the Warriors soundtrack, there are five bass players listed, none of which is Kenny. Okay. Okay, you got Bob Babbitt. Neil Jason, Robert Mack, Rini Press, and Mike Percaro. Okay. None of which oh, Mike Percaro. none of which were in the James gang. Right. As that was Dale Peters. Um that was ja- that was Joe Walsh's yeah, band for, before uh-huh. Barnstorm. Yeah. So at the time of this release, Barnstorm is just starting. James Gaming is wrapping up. Yeah. So I checked the solo albums on his solo projects. Um and it's Kenny, Willie Weeks, and George Perry. So I have no idea who's on the original. As none of the bass players okay. that are listed. And this and, and this song was not on a Joe Walsh record. No, it's it just was on the the Warriors. Well, the Warriors soundtrack. soundtrack. So that's the band section yeah. in a weird way. Okay, Eagles. I just want to say before you go before you go into Eagles, I just want to say Bob Babbitt sounds like you're trying not to swear. <laughs> Bob Babbitt. <laughs> Like, you stub your toe. <laughs> that's great. Yes, I'm gonna. I'm afraid to start saying that because that's so close. That's good. That's hilarious. Uh, very good. I saw you crack up in the middle when I said that name. I was like, what is so funny about Neil Jason? Um, okay. Eagles at the time. Joe Walsh uh, plays a uh, Gibson double neck guitar using the twelve string neck as the rhythm part and a yeah. six string uh, for the slide parts. Timothy B. Schmidt on uh, Fender bass. Don Felder on a Fender Strat. Don Henley uses an eight-piece Ludwig drum kit. Eight-piece. Eight-piece with pasty symbols. There yes. you go, for those of you that correct me every That's time right. I say pasty or paste. Right, man. Eight-piece. So an eight-piece kit. We've never talked about this let's, before. Let's talk through it. An eight-piece kit means he's got a kick, a snare, and six toms. The, the pieces of a kit refer to kick snare and toms only that's not counting yeah, any symbols, no symbols or anything like that so if you say an eight-piece kit so that's probably two floor toms probably two floor toms and, and four, four mounted, mounted toms yeah. yeah so that means he's going like yeah that's a lot of tomage yeah so um and then glenn fry on piano on this track and joe who we mentioned that plays congas so yeah. um so that's the band in two iterations. Yes. 
Yes, okay. And that might segue into the Eagles. And for you guys that might have heard a door shut in the background, yeah. we have a guest coming on next week right. that is in the building already. That's right. So he we may load him up. Hopped in. Joseph Tag Abbott. Wow. We, uh, yeah, so welcome, Joey. If you felt a shift in the atmosphere, that was the presence of Joey Abbott walking into the so room. So you may get some bonus uh, material this week as a teaser for next. I don't know. He Heck may yeah. jump in and say something. We may just let him say, hey. Yeah, let's mic him up and, and see if he's if he's got anything to say. And you can feel free. You just make some stuff up if you want to. I don't care. We can let him. We talked about letting him be Joe Walsh. He'll be yeah. Joe Walsh. Let's. So we're going to pause and mic Joey up. This is the Great Song Podcast. All right, so we pause. We've got... Joey Abbott, mic'd yep. up. Joey, say hello to the people. Hello, I'm still here. Yes, still here. <laughs> we have since, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, yes. we... Got, Part the kimono. We started... Uh, wow, <laughs> never heard that. That's cool. Is that from Hawaii? Is that from your Hawaiian background? Yeah. No, okay. All right. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so we started... Rec- probably not appropriate. <laughs> we started back with Joey. Speaking of pepperoni time, we started... <laughs> I'm not we, doing it again. We started back with Joey, uh, and and like what three minutes later, got a call that an interview that we thought had fallen through for today came through. If we could do it yep. right then, yep. So if this part feels a little disjointed, that's why it's because we stopped, we paused to let Joey in and get him mic'd up, yep. and then had to stop again. Joe so, Vitale's people are going to be like, what is this? What is this episode? <laughs> yeah. It's all cut up. Yeah. So but when Beyonce is ready, you got to do the interview. That's, that's right. right. So here's where I think we were. <laughs> you were just didn't meet the band. You were about to talk about Eagles stuff. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about the Eagles version of In the City. Uh, it is from the long run album which was their 1979 follow-up to Hotel California. So Hotel California has just exploded, I say just. Um, and so this is the highly anticipated pressure cooker of the century, right? I mean, we're talking about Hotel California, back and forth with Thriller for the great greatest album of all time, you know, best-selling of all time. Eagles' greatest hits, Thriller, Hotel California, like the top three, okay? So... What are you going to do to follow it up? Well, they say, okay, we're going to make a, a big double album uh, and it's going to be, you know, whatever. But the recording situation, the writing situation, the band situation as a whole was as such that they said, we don't have it in us. Mm-hmm. They were totally gassed from touring. They were kind of uh, at each other's throats in a lot of ways. You know, the band is is sort of dissolving and, you know, relationships are tense. So they're like, all right, we'll just do a single album. Ten, ten songs, single album. Let's just get through that. Um, and what they did, the ten songs that they did do, took them 18 months to make. Whoa. So, like, this was a real, like... Process. A real process getting the long run made. And so part of it is, okay, you got a song... <laughs> Who's got a song? Yeah. You know what I mean? You bring it, us your song. Yeah. And we'll do your song. So it comes to that. And in the city was one that they heard of Joe's and they're like, you know, we like this. He hadn't put it out on an album. So they're like, let's put it on this, you know, long run album. So it ends up being, I think the third track on the long run um, and, uh, and gets sort of equal footing playing time. Let's play a little bit of the, did this come out before the Joe Walsh version? No, it came out after. Oh, okay. Out, but same year. Same oh, year, so both in 79. Yeah, oh, the, wow. Yeah, the movie. Which is the year of the movie, too. Yeah, okay. So here's the Joe Walsh version. Good boy. Somewhere out 
You hear the congas in your right ear. That's Joe Vitale. I tell you, the very, very beginning, there's a little difference in the, like, the literal, like, grace bar that leads up into it. And then you don't really get, you hear a couple of things on the piano track that's different. You hear that versus there's a lick that also happens in this, but it happens several times in the Joe Walsh version. That's right. That is like a repeated riff motif in the Joe Walsh thing. It only happens once in the Eagles version. The biggest difference, the biggest way to know if you're listening to the Eagles version or the Joe Walsh version of in the city, when you hear it on the radio is what they do under the actual chorus. Here it is. They really emphasize that rhythm. It's in the drums. Whereas the Joe Walsh version, really only the bass is doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Everything else is legato, but the bass, boom, 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 boom. But here, it's, you're hearing it on the hi-hat, you're hearing it on the percussion, you're hearing it on the bass, and everything's, and even maybe even the guitar, the electric guitar. So that's how to tell. If it's a more rhythmic... Um, chorus, it's the Eagles version. If it's less, then... And I actually prefer the Joe Walsh. I like it without the emphasized uh, thing. Do you know what gets more play on the radio? That's what... Well, we were talking that we feel like it's pretty even or that we don't know... Yeah. uh, There's not a a big... Yeah, I can't tell a difference even from hearing that. I I don't think I'd be able to spot it. I mean, it's it's not even one of those deals where like five years later they recorded it and there was any sort of difference in technology Mm -hmm. that you could hear it sound cleaner or whatever. It's literally the same. You know what I mean? Everything about that is. You know, he's probably playing the same guitar through the same amp, same lead, same microphone. You know, they are wearing them bright yellow headphones. Have you seen the video of them recording it? Oh, it's awesome of them, and and they're wearing these like big black and yellow. They look like striper themed headphones. (laughs) They're so yellow. It's awesome. That's great. So yeah, I literally, I'd be interested to know. There's probably, you could probably look it up on like RIAA or something or some, you know, but I have no idea. Uh, The long run itself, the album was, uh, you know, it was a smash. I mean, it's obviously, it's one of the Eagles albums that that people know. It went number one in the US, Canada, uh, Australia, Sweden, Japan, top five in France, which nobody, we we don't ever talk about France. Yeah. And we never say something went charted in France, but, uh, New Zealand, uh, uh, Netherlands, UK, Norway, all over the world. Massive seven times platinum plus album. It was the number two album of the year in 1980 in the U S on the billboard, you know, 200 for the year. Anybody want to guess what was number one, 1980, uh, Rupert Holmes. Um, no. Um, UK, 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 outfit, UK band. Yeah. 1980, 1980. UK would have beaten the long run. It's an iconic album. We've covered it. It's The Wall by Pink Floyd. Okay. I've heard wall. of that. I've heard of that. That was in 1980? 1980, yeah. Okay. Yep. There we go. Uh, let's see. So it, the long run was the final Eagles album in the original run. It was their their um, last album period before the Hell Freezes Over album in 94 when they did the live reunion mm-hmm. in the Acoustic Hotel California yeah. and the what's the um, they had the song you know the big single from it they did Get Over It right and then they had uh, Timothy B. Schmidt uh, Love Will Keep Us Love Alive Love Will Keep Us Alive yeah but it was, it was the last studio album until 2007 so from 1979 to 2007 there are no Eagles it's a long time. studio recordings it's too long 
Yeah. That was a long road out of Eden, the 2007 one. It had... Uh, I saw that tour, the Long Road Out of Eden tour. Oh, yeah? I saw it at Thompson Bowling Arena with my dad. It's the longest concert I've ever been to. I bet. The longest one. So I, it started at like 7. I don't remember exactly what time, but they did an Eagle set, and then every member did Ooh. a couple songs. Don Henley did a couple songs. Joe Walsh did a couple songs. Oh, wow. Glenn Fry did a couple songs. Like They it, they did each did like a mini set in the middle, Ooh. and then they came back and finished with a bunch of Eagle stuff. It That's... went till I remember it was after midnight. And that's a good song Whoa. title, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So it was a good five hour plus concert. And they had like, openers for them? It was just them. Just no, them. it was just them. Yeah, they awesome. started like right, on, they were on time. I remember being like, oh, they're punctual. This is going to be good. But it, and it was a lot of music that Dang. night. Dang. Most successful Eagle outside of the band. Don Henley. He's got to be Henley, right? Yeah. Yeah. Second most. Walsh? Yeah. And then Fry? Yeah. And then, then Timothy B. Schmidt, probably. Timothy B. Old then Randy, B, the Poco. Randy, yeah, Randy Meisner. So, and then Joe, and then yeah. Um, so this, uh, the long run was the first album without Randy Meisner. Um, Timothy B. Schmidt came in on the long run album. For, oh, wait a minute, does Don Felder edge out any of those guys? You think he's in there somewhere? He's probably more successful solo than than Timothy B. Because Timothy and, B. didn't really have nah. a solo career. He was part of other stuff. Yeah, he did stuff with Poco and stuff yeah. like you're talking about. But uh, that album also had uh, Heartache Tonight. The long run, obviously, and uh, I can't tell you why, which is the first Timothy mm-hmm. B. Schmidt solo, uh, you know, solo like that piece song that we lot. get on there. And I think that was one that was like his song that he brought mm-hmm. in. Uh, yeah. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Heartache Tonight won the 1980 Grammy for Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal. Um, and really, oh, there's a there's a live version of uh, In the City. On the Hell Freezes Over album uh, from 1994, and the the live version ends with, and I wonder if when's the last time you listened to the Hell Freezes Over album? Been a minute. Okay. You know that was one. Did I've ever told you that like on a spiritual high, I burned a bunch of CDs. That was the one. <laughs> I've done that. that. That one and my seal cassette. That was a single cassette of Don't Cry. Wow. Seal didn't even make the cut. Man. Well, okay. So here's uh from the Hell Freezes Over album. Here's the ending of In the City. That's actually the beginning. Take a listen to the ending. They're going to pull a quote from a song we all probably know. That bass sounds really good. Yeah. Here it is. For zero reason whatsoever. Is it Day Tripper? They pulled the quote from Day Tripper. <laughs> wow. There at the very end. for They're like, oh, we're ending on an E chord. What's the song in E? Oh, Day Tripper. Yeah, let's play that riff. <laughs> like, That's funny. Literally no other reason. But it's kind of cool. It's like. It's very cool. Why not? You know, that makes it actually. I'm going to listen to that whole album on the way home because it sounded so good. That's the remastered version. Um, I'm definitely going to, uh, yeah, be listening to that today. Thank you very much. Okay, I had an ink, and I can't tell you why, take. Okay. That I haven't ever shared. I've just kept this, I have this running list of hot takes. Okay. And so I haven't got to talk about it. So I'm going to reread it to myself. Um, yeah. So here we go. I can't tell you why is four minutes and 55 seconds long. Okay. okay. The last word is sung at three minutes and five seconds. Okay. Wow. 
Then there's drums, string pad, bass, and guitar lines. And there's only one with the memorable like variation that's singable. Think about those guitar lines at the end. No, no, the end, the solo part. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's a minute and 55 seconds of that. Okay. Yeah. Hotel California is six minutes and 31 seconds. Uh And that solo section starts at 4.20. There's a hot take inside a hot take. I mean, 4.20. <laughs> sure, yeah, that's yeah. freaking brilliant. Starts yeah. right there. So they're the exact same length, pretty much. Okay. Think about how many things, how many singable lines are yeah. in the solo section in Hotel California. There's 40. Yeah. And there's two yeah. in the same amount of time by the same band. Dang. So I can't tell you why it's more about the, like... Chill. Veg out. Yeah, yeah like... chill. Anyway, I can't tell you the, high, basically. Let, yeah, let the groove. Yeah. Like So anyway, I just thought that was that's, that's really interesting. That's a cool take. And what, I don't care if I came up with it. That's really freaking awesome. What Good job. what a neat very proud of you. <laughs> what a neat thing to analyze in a song. Here's how long the song is. Here's where the last word occurs. Yeah. How much instrumental is left yeah. after that? That's one of the things that I I I feel like I've heard it a little bit lately coming back in is allowing a song to breathe at the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? And nobody like, does that really. Yeah, nobody. And it used to be that you, you know, you could have with, with certain groups, it obviously didn't make sense for everybody that it would be like, dude, let's just keep playing for a minute. Yeah. You know, I was, the, what triggered it is I was listening to it. I was driving. I was on my way to Memphis. I was just driving. I was like, man, I really like this song. And then it stopped singing and I turned up the guitar part to hear it. I was like, that's not super challenging. Yeah. And then I, there was nothing after it. And yeah. I was like, what just happened? And I was like, how long? And so anyway, I just backed it up. I was like, that was interesting. That's cool. So anyway, we won't ever get to talk about that probably. So there it was. <laughs> there Th- throw it out there. All right. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm ready to talk about the movie. Yes. Unless, okay. Let's all right. do it. Let's talk about the movie. Do you have anything on the movie? Because I, what I did is I wrote down the wordy plot of the movie from Please. Wikipedia. Okay. Unless go you've it. got a better synopsis. So I, I have a link to the YouTube, uh, to the trailer, okay. which I'm going to play for comedic purposes. Play it. No, okay. No, That's give fine. Us, okay. It, either way, it doesn't I've matter. I've not seen this movie. Okay. okay. I need you to explain it in great I'm going to give so you the lengthy. We, play the trailer. Let's play the trailer play first. The tra- okay. Because I want to see if go you over. can guess. No, gonna, don't even don't even watch. Okay. Just just listen to the trailer and let's see if you uh, can figure out what the movie's about. Yeah, let's see oh, how far yes. we can get. This will be okay. step the Joey. Step okay. the Joey. Here we go. Here we go. All right, the trailer for the Warriors, 1979, old bad movie trailers. Here we go. Oh dear, these are the armies of the night. Can you dig it? What can the heck? You dig it? The Furies. The Boppers. The Hi Hats. What? The Lizzies. The Turnbull ACs. Are these drugs? <laughs> the Gramercy Riffs. Riffs! And these are the Warriors. We know about the Warriors. They're a heavy outfit. They're from Coney Island. Warriors? You guys are the big dudes, huh? Now, they're in the Bronx. We're going back. 27 miles behind enemy lines. It's the only choice we got. Between them and safety, stand 20,000 cops. (laughs) 
and a hundred thousand sworn enemies. I want them all. I want all the warriors. They've got one way out. They've got one chance. They've got one night. The Warriors. All right. A Paramount picture. Wow. Joey, what's this movie about? Wow. Okay. I've never <laughs> heard of this. Okay. It sounds, it's very suspenseful, obviously, from the music. It's got like a Stranger Things kind yeah, it of. It does, yeah. I feel like they stole it. It's also, at the end, it has a little bit of a UFO sound. Uh, I hope there's aliens. There are no aliens. Okay. There's no aliens. It starts, there are funny looking humans. Okay, so it says like something about creatures of the night at the beginning, so it makes me think um, maybe it's vampire related. Okay. It is not okay. vampire uh, related. There's You're no over vamp- two. Yeah. No aliens, no vampires. No vampires. Yeah. Okay. Dystopian future? No. Uh, dystopian present. Yeah. Present? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, with gangs? There, there we go. Now okay. we're on it. Okay, now it sounded like he was naming off types of drugs there for a I while. See. It was crazy. No, those names. were the names, those of, the names the gangs. of the gangs. The okay. Lizzie's, the hi hats. Yeah, you're all over it. The uh, okay. Warriors, the Riffs. Sure. Yes, so the, the Warriors riffs. are the good gang? Well, they're the, they're the here's the story. The, I'm now going to read you the synopsis. Okay. And then okay. I'll come they're back the in. There's, no, the there's no aliens or vampires. No aliens or vampires. No wonder I've not Here we go. It's kind of wordy, so I'll read fast. So just try to keep up. Cyrus, leader of the Gramercy Riffs, the most powerful gang in New York City, and this is from Wikipedia, I'm just reading this, requests that each of the city's gangs send nine unarmed delegates to Van Cortland Park for a midnight summit. The Warriors, a gang from Coney Island, attend the summit with nine delegates. It lists all the delegates, but for sake of time, I'll just jump ahead. Um, (laughs) Cyrus proposes to assemble the crowd, a citywide Uh truce, an alliance that would allow gangs to control the city together, since they outnumber the police three to one. There's like, there's more of us than there are of them, so the gangs... If we work together. If we work together, we can control the city. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Most of the gang members applaud this idea, but Luther, the unbalanced and sadistic leader of the rogues, shoots Cyrus dead (gasps) as police officers arrive to raid the summit. In the ensuing chaos, Luther realizes that one of the warriors, Fox, appears to suspect him and makes a false accusation, which leads the vengeful rifts to attack the warlord, Cleon. Meanwhile, the other warriors escape, wow. unaware that they've been implicated in Cyrus's killing. The rifts put out a hit on the warriors through a radio DJ. You're losing me. Okay. So Hard. Basically... <laughs> Somebody from a gang kills the leader, Cyrus, of another gang, and he's like, it was them, and but accuses it wasn't them. The, it wasn't them. The so he falsely accuses the Twist. warriors. So the warriors have to then get back to their safety area. In Coney Island. They have to get back there, Home but base. they have to get all the way through the police right. and every other gang, because every other gang is after them. 27 New York City miles. There you go. A, so, a lot. It's it, longer than real miles. So I, I looked up some stuff on the movie. It talked about how like they would shut down New York City for a couple of nights to do the filming, um, which is crazy. You know, That's thinking insane. about that. That so, city never sleeps. Exactly. But uh, That's what they, they said. A lot of the this movie helped people to learn a lot about the 
the like subway system and the train system or like the transportation system of New York. Really? Just because they were intrigued by this movie and wanted to wow. see like how the transportation was throughout. Are they the, wearing like futuristic garb? They're in this wearing at so all? like there's the bat. I forget what the gang is that looks like the. There's a baseball thing. Yeah, one. they look like the. They Yankees. look like the Yankees, like, but they're fa- but they faces have like painted. yellow and blue spotted. They're like face painted. Yes. And, so anyway, Which, they all have a different them- thematic. Similar dress, like normal right. gangs, like normal yeah, like gangs. Normal. <laughs> yes. What colors are you claiming exactly? Yes. Okay, nailed yeah. it. Which but that the 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 group about the Yankees leads me to my favorite part of the trailer, which I will now show you as I'm as I'm Please. talking. But there's a shot in here where a a gang member from presumably that gang, I can't remember what they're called, um, fights with one of the guys from the Warriors. With, is it like a phantom punch that's horribly done? It's no, it's a it's a baseball bat fight. Yeah, um, but the, the sound design is so weak that it just literally sounds like they're just hitting twigs together. <laughs> There's <laughs> zero suspense to this yeah. and zero impact of these bats at all. Check this out. Way out. Swing it up. <laughs> It's like <laughs> it's nothing. Were they supposed to be fighting each other? Yeah, yeah. They're like yeah. just like, hitting their bats yeah. together in the slowest. Yeah. Like I'll yeah. hold it up. Now you hit mine. Let's make yeah. a cross. Okay, now you hold yours up. I'll hit yours. Yeah, <laughs> it's literally like we hate these bats. <laughs> Let's take it out on these. We can tell our friends we did this. Yeah, it's like when you're. Uh, it's like when you're choreographing a lightsaber fight with your brother. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's good. It's like. That's really good. Uh, that's anyway, good. Uh, um, I do have a stump the genius. Okay. If you're, do you have some more on sure, the Warriors? I have some more on the Warriors, Keep but that's going. the last stuff no, I have. Keep going. Okay. So uh, the Warriors starred uh, nobody, but <laughs> <laughs> if you had to pick somebody out, you'd probably pick Michael Beck, who is the leader of the Warriors gang, uh, most known for his lead role in this movie from 1979 called um, The Warriors. And... <laughs> <laughs> but he also played the role of Sonny Malone in another like nothing burger movie that we talked about, and that would be Xanadu. Oh he yeah, in, he was <gasps> yeah. in Xanadu. So uh, a little bit. Let's see. Okay, you already covered most of that. Um, Sean Egan, who wrote a book about the movie called "Can You Dig It: The Phenomenon of the Warriors," said. Whereas the milieu of the warriors was one normally only depicted in motion pictures as an examination of a social problem. This movie portrayed life from the street gang's point of view. It was an obvious but revolutionary approach that struck a chord with the urban working class, especially its adolescent subset. So that guy sounds smart. Um, <laughs> yeah. But he, he's saying what's, what made the movie connect later. It flopped in theaters, yeah. but, it, but it became a cult classic after home release and whatever, you know, Cinemax or whatever it came on. That means I'm not part of this cult. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Um, you're you're not part of the urban working class. Okay, you're working class, but <laughs> okay. not urban working. Maybe class. later. Yeah, and then there is. If you've heard one famous thing from this movie, it would be this line that it, you may not even know it's from this movie, but but I've heard it quoted in several other places, never having seen this movie. And that would be this scene right here. Planking bottles together. Gosh. Warriors, come 
Why are they giving him so much screen time? <laughs> that guy has no sense of rhythm. I'm just going to say it outright. No. Get, get him a click track. Get him in the pocket. <laughs> so, well, he had like three bottles. Yeah, right? like, three three bottles on three fingers. Yeah. And yeah, he's thumb, cleaning them all together. index, middle. Yeah. He's kind of squeezing so, them. Clean them all. So clean this is up. like a pretty big movie. It really is a cult classic. Yeah, I've now. never seen mm-hmm. it till this year. And most of my closer friends haven't seen it but the people that have seen it that really i have a buddy that works with me that's like it's my favorite movie number one all time he's like this is my favorite movie i can't believe you've never seen it i was like what uh, he's like it's my favorite without a doubt watches it at least once a year him and his brothers they like it's this big it's big enough for this to happen it was announced last week coincidentally that lin-manuel miranda is doing a remake (gasps) of the warriors wow okay that's i'll everybody will watch that is it a musical I bet it will be. That, it this will one's be now. not. This, this one's, one's not. It's not West Side Story. Mm-mm. Besides the bottle song. Besides yeah. the very and musical in the city. bottle yeah. song. Yes. And in the <laughs> Which city. is yeah. what they play at the beginning. I think they start the movie with it. Makes sense. And in the movie with Lots it. Lots of like establishing shots mm-hmm. of New York City. Yeah. yeah anyway, so it's... Uh, I mean, I watched movie. it. I, I won't voluntarily watch it again. I'm not like... I'm craving the Warriors, but those of y'all out there that like it, drop a comment. <laughs> Let us know. The that, poster for it looks like an old Nintendo game. Yeah. The poster for the movie. It looks like Double Dragon, right? Yes. It looks like a cool, what would have been a cool video. That's great. Picture for a video game that flopped. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's play, uh, let's play Stump the Genius. Let's do it. Stump the Genius. Stump the Genius. Stump the Genius. It's time to Stump the Genius. Jump up and take your part. I take your part. All right. I'm going to let you guys play together. Yes. Um, So I uh, had this thing, I had this made up and then I deleted it, so I quick threw one together here real quick. So songs that competed with uh, in the city for best soundtrack song of the year 1979. Okay. Oh, I'm, so I'm about. Th- there, I did three or four. Let me take a look here. I think I'm going to give you all a short amount of time and see how quick we can get through it. All right. Th- I'm narrowed it down to three. So these are the three that competed with it. So let's put 25 seconds on the clock. I'm going to play it, and between y'all... Name the song and the movie, or I could just give you. Let's just. I'll give you ten seconds of each. See if you there. Don't set a big big timer. I can okay. watch that on my phone. Here we okay, go. Right. Here's the first. Are one. you going to pause it after? I'll and give us it. time to. I'll pause it. Okay, okay, unless okay. you know it right out the gate. Okay. Here we go. Here's so the who's, who's going first? You guys are a team. Oh, we're help team. each okay. other out. Here this. we go. Is it? Uh, that's over the rainbow. I mean, uh, nope. what the? So, why are there so many songs about rainbows? It's What's Muppet called? Movie. Yeah, it's Muppet, Muppet Movie. Oh, yeah. we're just naming Rainbow the movie? Connection. Rainbow, Rainbow Connection. You, you got yes. both of them. Very yes. good. Well done. All right, that was that one. Here is this one. So Wait. Okay. Is it the Rose? Ben that's Midler? the Rose from. You know the movie? All I know is Napoleon Dynamite. Trick question. It's from the Rose. Oh, that's the, the name of the movie. Oh, I hate this song with a burning passion. That's for all. <gasps> last oh, one. This is from Napoleon Dynamite. Here we go. Last one. It <laughs> oh, is. We're all this, doing the. Yes. Everybody's doing the, the flying. Helping hands or whatever. The <laughs> I've not seen the Rose movie. No. I haven't either, but we've mm-hmm. all seen Napoleon. Rocky. Yeah. That would be Gonna Fly Now. Gonna Fly movie. Now. By uh, uh, Vince DiCola. Bill Conti. He's Bill Conti. That's okay. Oh, yeah, Vince yeah, DiCola yeah, does okay. the other stuff. Good job. Rocky. Two? Two. Yeah. That's not in Rocky one. It's, uh, I don't. Three and four, they had Eye of the Tiger. I feel like then, it's in one, but I feel like it's in one, right? Yeah, probably. He runs up the that's, stairs. That's in one. Yeah. yeah, this got credit in two. Well, it charted well in two, 
and 79. 79 came out in two. Do you prefer Maybe Rocky? it wasn't in Rocky 1. Rocky 1 be. had a different, I don't know. Rocky when he's running the a, steps, it's in one. It Gonna fly, isn't it? It's okay. in 100%. Do you prefer Rocky 1 or 2? Four. Of one or two? <laughs> Four. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, it was two is my favorite for the longest time. Like over yeah. all of them. The rematch. Uh huh. I mean, I love them all. I do too. I, I, I like, I can't, that's like asking me to pick. Favorite children. I know it's easy for you, right, but sure. I don't have kids. Favorite cats. Anyway, no, I can't pick a. I can't pick a fave. Mm. Sorry, won't Lola. Is Lola your favorite cat? That is one of the names of our cats. <laughs> Guys, thanks for hanging around. Joe, thank you for being patient enough to listen through this to no get crap. to your interview. Yeah. So yes. you, we're gonna is, go chat with uh, with Joe Vitale. We're gonna talk some Joe Walsh, some Eagles, uh, lots of cool stories. So uh, stick around. We'll be back on the other side to tuck you in. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with Joe Vitale, whose legendary career we get to dive into uh, today. So thank you so much, Joe, for being with us today on the Great Song Podcast. It's great to be here, guys. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I get kind of get the first question. Normally, we give Rob the first question, but uh, your first album, I just want to start by talking about your first album, Roller Coaster Weekend, 1974. So name me right. another album that has Joe Walsh, Rick Derringer, and probably my favorite musician of all time, Phil Keggy, as guitar players, because I can't. How did this masterpiece of musicianship come together? Tell us how you pieced all that together. Well... Um, uh, of course, me and Joe go way back. We, we, we're friends for about now going on 54 years. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he, you know, and he owes me <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> when I call him, to, I play on one of my tracks. He goes, well, okay. <laughs> Cause he knows better than to say no. That's right. <laughs> anyway, no, he, uh, he's always very cool about that. And, uh, and, and me and Joe, we met and grew up at Kent State University. And um, that's where uh, Phil Keggy and the Glass Harp played all the time because they were from Youngstown, Ohio. So we've known Phil almost 50 years. That's awesome. And um, so, you know, and um, so, and Rick Derringer, I, I knew Rick Derringer in, I met him in 65 when my local band opened for the, uh, for the, um, um, uh, McCoy's. Okay. And, and, uh, do, doing hang on sloopy then. So I met him there, right? I don't think he remembered me, but, but, uh, me and Joe Walsh, um, and a couple, and Kenny Pastor, a couple other guys out in Colorado, we played on, um, on, uh, Rick Derringer's, uh, album, uh, All American Boy. And, um, uh, so we, we kind of knew each other. And so, you know, you, you do favors for people and you, you kind of, you know, kind of cash in on that sometimes so you make calls and you know you don't ever i don't i don't take that for granted i don't expect everybody to just you know but but it doesn't hurt to call and say hey rick uh what are you doing you want to play a couple of, he played great on that album yeah. Uh, oh, yeah uh he was fantastic on on this song called um uh it was shoot Em up and madman he played on those and he insisted on getting a like a box to stand on and put the spotlights on him. And I, and I was like, what the heck are you doing, man? And he goes, oh, I got to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm on stage. You That's know? And cool. so I love that. And he did. And, and so he got on this box and, and they put the spotlight on him and man, he tore it up. That's he, great. Wow. That's he, cool. He's so incredible. What a great guy. Great. Amazing guitar. Player. He was amazing in like when he was in high school, he was great. 
my band was so jealous because we opened for the McCoys and, and we were in high school, they were in high school, but, but they, um, they had a really long hair and they had cool clothes and they had great big amps. And also they didn't go to high school. They had tutors on the road with them. Oh, so, wow. So we were way jealous because you know, <laughs> like, man, we had to go to school the next day. They got to go and do another show. But, um, uh, I've known Rick for many, many years. That's excellent. Well, uh, so you mentioned how you know how far back you go with Joe Walsh, and it'd be foolish of us to not talk some Rocky Mountain Way and some stuff like that with you. How um, I know, did you meet Joe at Kent State? Yes. Okay. All right. So you guys yeah. were classmates there. Um, is uh, so okay. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. Tell us about uh, getting to know Joe a little bit and joining Barnstorm, and how kind of how all that came about. How you guys started playing together. Well, when we were in Kent, uh, the James gang were playing at a club called JB's and, um, and I was in a, in a, in a kind of a funk R and B band and we played at the Cove right, two doors down. And so, you know, we'd always run into each other and, and, you know, we, on our break, we'd go over and listen to the James gang and on their break, they once in a while, they'd come over and listen to us. Anyway, we were friends, me and Joe, and we'd always talked about doing something, but I didn't want to mess around with, you know, the James gang was starting to really get, make a lot of noise around the country. And, and also it was called the James gang because the, the leader and owner of the name and band was Jimmy Fox, the drummer. Okay. So I'm not going to go in there and, you know, and I, I, I didn't, that was never my intentions. Me and Joe had talked about doing something together someday. And I didn't know if that was going to happen or not because the James gang were doing so well. But um, then, uh, then I got this gig, I got a call and got this gig with Ted Nugent and the Amboy Dukes. And so I went out and toured with them for a while. I was, it was 1971 and, um, and I was only 22, about 22. And uh, so uh, we're doing all these shows and, and one of the shows I looked on our itinerary and it, we were opening in Florida. We were opening for the James gang. Oh. I thought, wow, how cool I get to see my buddies and, and, and see Joe. And cause I was really good friends with all three of them guys, you know? And so, um, so this was late I in the year too. It was like October or something. We were down in Florida. Anyway, after the show, it was a great show. And, um, um, I think the other act on that show, as a matter of fact, was Bo Diddley. Oh, so it was wow. Bo Diddley. Wow. It was a weird kind of package. Bo Diddley, <laughs> uh, uh, Ted Nugent, and then the James Gang. But <laughs> Lots of guitars. Like, on yeah, that. Probably about three dollars and fifty cents to see all that too back then. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, <clears throat> so after the show, Joe said, "Hey, come over to my hotel. Let's hang out." I said, "Absolutely," because we hadn't seen each other in a while. And we were hanging out and he just said, hey, listen, I want to do something a little different. Um, and um, why don't you uh, think about, you know, let's put something together. I was thrilled because we had talked about it for like three years. And um, and all of a sudden he's going to move on. And he moved to Colorado and he said, you want to move to Colorado and do something? I said, absolutely. And Ted Nugent was great about it. He was real, real kind about it. He said, man, you guys ought to be in a band. You guys will be great. You know, I thought he was going to be mad because when you quit a band and join another, but he opposite of that, he was very cool, man. And, and so, uh, so that's what we did. 1972, January, I moved to Colorado and started with Barnstorm. Wow. Very cool. Um, can you recall for us a little bit about the, the writing session for what became Rocky mountain way and how that song came to life? Well, what happened was, 
around 1971-72, I can't remember exactly when, maybe you guys know, uh, Dwayne Allman died. Mm -hmm. And that was Joe's favorite slide player. He loved Dwayne Allman. And Joe, he had played slide, you know, up to that point, but it, it wasn't his main deal or anything. He just kind of flew around with it. He, he was pretty good on it, but not he didn't feel good enough to really stretch out on it. But so he started really woodshedding and got really, really good, really fast on slide guitar. I think it's one of the best in the world today. But um, anyway, back then he started getting really good. And um, so we were working on the Smoker album, the Smoker You Drink album. And um, uh, we, uh, by contract with the record label, you know, you have to have so many songs. So we were, I think, nine songs. We needed another song. So we thought, you know what, uh, Joe's gotten really good with Slide. Let's um, let's put something together to, you know, feature Slide. You know, and it's like, you know, if, you know what what would be better than, you know, nothing would be better than a, just like a slow blues in the key of E. <laughs> so so uh, so uh, I wrote the music and he wrote the lyrics. Basically, is what happened. Okay, and. Um, um, so we recorded this track and, and it was like that the song that you hear when you hear it on the radio for all these 50 years, whatever, uh, is take one. That was the first. That's take. awesome. Dude, that's great. Yeah, that was take one because we were we were a band. We were a good band and we had been playing for like on the road nonstop. We had been playing so many shows. So we were good to get. We were a good band. And so when you, you do a slow blues it's it's it was effortless in a way and not because it, it it's a blues you know yeah, you just sure. have fun and get you, you really go for the pocket and the feel and, and everything else falls into place well we nailed the pocket the pocket's killer <laughs> and uh so we walked in the control room and and our producer bill simzik and uh you know he said check it out because he was like thrilled he knew it was take he, he, that's what a producer does he knew that, that this is it you guys can play it in a bunch more, he said, if you want, but this is the take. Yeah. So we listened to it. And it was like, yeah, that's the take. It feels good. And so um, we did that track down in Miami, uh, just the basic track down at Criteria in Miami. And uh, then we brought it out to Colorado to do all the overdubs and stuff. So, but but that's basically how it came about. It, it wasn't one of those long drawn out stressful kind of writing sessions we kind of sat down and you know we were messing around with that lick for a, you know on the road a little bit and he was fooling around with it and we thought man this is pretty cool and so we finally got to the studio and we needed one more song let's do it you know and um who knew you know it was that's gonna awesome. be his flag his flagship song yeah right? that's cool i mean yeah, that cool. and fog 49 life's been good i mean I think Rocky Mountain Way is probably his flagship song. You know, I yeah. mean, he's got a lot. He's got a lot of them. But, <laughs> but um, uh, anyway, that's the way that came about. And um, uh, to this day, they still play tons. Of, it, it's, it's played all over the world. Absolutely, getting regular airplay still, and may it so be yeah. forevermore. <laughs> you've uh, you've hinted a couple times at the at the Kent State years, and I know you were there during the the massacre i'm not going to talk about that but were you around during the rally were you on campus at the time around there then no i was um uh watching tv with my girlfriend who is now my wife of 49 oh, years okay yeah and uh, i'm guessing and, i was gonna say not all bad came from kent state because that's where you met Susie, yeah, right so. yeah, that's right that's right and so um we were watching tv we heard all these sirens and what they were were the fire trucks to put out that uh, rtc building 
Mm. Right? We didn't think anything of it. We were like, oh, man, must be a big fire. We didn't think it. We didn't know what was going on. In the morning, uh, I'm downtown like, what's going on? It was like it was like a ghost town, you know. And and uh, then, you know, we heard the news and we found out like, whoa, what the heck happened last night? And then it just escalated and got so crazy that, that you know, the they called in the National Guard. We were under martial law. Yeah. I think Joe, I think Walsh got arrested because he, he he stepped off his porch. It was crazy. Martial law is serious. Wow. Yeah. That's nuts. So, Did so yeah, so we, we were, we, we witnessed the whole thing. And sadly, the four, four students were, were killed. But also sadly is it took 10, 15 years for that town to get back to where it was because everybody was paranoid and the townspeople were pissed because it was like they tore up the town and it just was ugly all in, on all levels. It was, it was terrible. It was a tragedy. And so, um, uh, I didn't get involved with it. You know, the Kent State people were very peaceful people. They were just a bunch of hippies that go to college. You yeah. know, it was it was these agitators that came in from Detroit that kind of created all this mess. And so, yeah, it's just uh, one of those things, you know, that happened, and it was sad. And and um, they have a memorial all the time. We were supposed to play the fiftieth anniversary. Uh, the Walsh band, us. We were going to play, and um, uh, it was nineteen. Uh, I mean, twenty twenty was fifty oh, years because that, that was, was nineteen seventy. Right and stuff. right, now, we got booked to do this thing. We it sold out in like a half hour, and that was in January. We got the call to do it. Uh, they obviously canceled that, and I think they're going to do it again because. We, we don't want to let COVID ruin a beautiful event like 50-year celebration. Yeah. And just because it's 53 or 54, we're going to call it the, the 50, you know, and because uh, we, we couldn't do it because of COVID. But it was going to be a really great event, a whole weekend thing. And um, uh, but uh, we're waiting to hear what they want to do with that. Maybe next year. I don't know. I heard uh, Chrissy Hine was there at school at the same time, right? Did you meet her? Did yes, you ever know Chrissy, Chrissy Hine. Oh, yeah. Chrissy That's Hine, cool. when she was... She was like a teenager and she was, um, <clears throat> we try to we sneak her into the clubs because it was <laughs> 18 over. She didn't drink. She, she wanted to come in and hear the bands yeah. and stuff, you know. So we would sneak her in, put her on the side of the stage, you know, and she would watch the bands. And, and um, her brother, uh, Terry Hind, is a sax player and he still plays in Kent to this day. He's okay. got his great, great blues band and they play there still. And they were there then, you know, and wow. um, that's awesome. So, yeah. So we had invited Chrissy Hine to, to do the uh, celebration of 50 year celebration with us. Oh, wow. And she oh, was wow. on, she was on tap to do it. And so was David Crosby was going to come and sing and, and it was going to be a really great show. And at COVID, you know, that shut that all down. Yeah. Well, you mentioned David Crosby. So let's, uh, you know, let me ask about, uh, you had a, a long run with Crosby, Stills and Nash. Um, give us a, give us a couple stories from your time recording and touring with Crosby, Stills and Nash. Well, that was, uh, I, I did about 35 years with them. Jeez. And, uh, um, uh, we, uh, when we moved to Colorado, Stephen Stills lived in Colorado in the mountains. I'll tell you what, Colorado in the early seventies, was this like uh, this musician's community? Yeah, I mean, Walsh was there, Stephen Stills, uh, uh, Carl Wilson from the Beach Boys, Dan Fogelberg, Firefall, Richie Fury, Manassas. All these groups had moved to Colorado. You know how rock and roll kind of migrates, you sure, know, yeah. 
for 10 years, uh, this is the happening town where everybody moves there. In the early 70s, they built Caribou Recording Studio uh, in the mountains, and and it was a fabulous place. And everybody, I mean, John Lennon, Elton John, everybody was there. Chicago, Beach Boys. We, Barnstorm, made the very first record there. That's awesome. That was was the Barnstorm album. That was the very first record recorded there. So it was this big community, and Stephen Stills would come over to the studio and hang. Anyway, long story short, I got to meet Stephen, and we hung out. We became friends. And um, so when uh in 1976 we were going to do crosby stills nash and young so we all showed up in miami florida and um uh, all four of them were there we started recording and except crosby and nash didn't have any songs because they just finished a duet album called yeah. whistling down a wire one of one of those records and they said guys we're out of songs and we're getting ready to go on the road to promote our record right so steven and neil go okay this is let's do a, a different combo. This will be the Stills Young album. <laughs> so we did that in 1976. That gave us uh, the song "Long May You Run" okay. uh, from that album, yeah. and that was the name name of that album as well. So that was the beginning of my musical uh, relationship with Stephen, and it worked out really good. We got along great. We I thought we were good together, and and. Um, so uh, then when Crosby Nash were done with their tour, I, in 77, I started, we did the CSN record with just a song before you go and all those dark star and all those songs. And uh, we went, <clears throat> went on tour and then I toured with him on and off because I did a lot of other bands and stuff, but, but I toured with him. That was about 35, 40 years, I think. I can't awesome. remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you hinted at some of those musicians that were there. You touched a little bit on Dan Fogelberg, and I know you played drums on his Windows and Walls album on track one, Language of Love, and track three, The Loving Cup. Sadly, with Dan's passing, we'll never get to interview him and discuss Longer or Leader of the Band. What's one story? You t- can you give us a Dan Fogelberg story or something about that project or anything? Um, It, it was – he he's a – it was a brilliant artist. He was so, and such a nice human being. And, uh, he was just a pleasure to work for. And, um, we would rehearse. Uh, we loved rehearsal because it was out on his ranch up way up in the mountains, 8,000 feet. He had this big, huge Victorian ranch house, it was just beautiful area. And, uh, so we would rehearse there and go on tour, but he, um, just a brilliant artist and, um, uh, so easy to work with. And, you know, um, stories i don't know there's like the, the recording stories were work there, there's nothing exciting about the recording stories because we've just got in there and got to business you no, know we good. did but but you know uh one thing that was really funny there's a funny story with fogelberg that uh, that i i really embarrassed him because i you know i listen you tour with joe walsh for years and you get a little nuts i right? can so, understand <laughs> so anyway nothing criminal but um <laughs> Anyway, so uh, uh, Dan Fogelberg, uh, he also had a little apartment in, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, because there's an artist community, and he used to paint, right? And with, I don't know, whatever. He used to paint when he was off the road, right? And so, and that's a huge artist community in Santa Fe, you know? And, and uh, so we did a gig there, and we were there for a couple of days. So I drew these silly, ugly, stupid pencil drawings. It looked like a fifth grader did it. And... <laughs> 
I put up a little stand outside of the hotel because all these artists on the weekend have all their displays out on the street and all that. Okay. It's, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta go out in the street and put these up, and they were really, really silly stuff, and uh, all pencil drawings. So, and he, him, and his, his, his wife were walking down the street, and I, I was like, "All right, here he comes." And he looked at me, and he goes, "I don't know you." <laughs> I embarrassed him because I was, I had these stupid photos. I mean drawings up and they were like you know sixty thousand dollars for you know it was just because because i you know i love art i appreciate art and all that and i respect it but when i was walking around i I saw some of the the art there and the prices on it was like who was who's gonna spend that kind of money on that so i can do that i can do that so anyway but now he was um i really miss him because he was so great to work with, and the tours were awesome. He was amazing. What what's got me the most is how he could sing leader of the band every night to his dad. And, you know, uh, I mean, the whole audience was crying, yeah. and he's out, he's there singing. And I, I don't know how he could possibly do that and, and get through it and all that, but he did it every night and brilliant, you know, brilliantly. And um, uh, so, you know, he was... Um, he was he was a very uh, conservative rock and roll guy, more of a folk kind of, you know. Uh, sure. He he wasn't a wild rocker like Nugent or Walsh or any <laughs> of them guys, you know. But but he you know he he had a good time doing what he did. But I do miss him a lot. You uh, I didn't want to rush past your early studio career. Just you, I know we talked about Roller Coaster Weekend, but Lady on the Rock on Plantation Harbor, another stellar lineup with obviously Walsh, Don Felder, George Chocolate Perry on bass, top tier bass right. player, and uh, Marilyn Martin on background vocals, who our listeners will probably know from Separate Lives with Phil Collins. Separate Lives with Phil Collins, yeah, right. huge, huge right. there too. Um, I thought that was fantastic. Also, well, on- go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just saying the other thing on Plantation Harbor was theme from. Cabin Weirdos, which was recorded at Mount Mitchell, the highest peak at Appalachian Mountains. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we were on the back porch and um, recording that. I mean, uh, Bill Simzik did all this, and he had the mics way out in the in the in the yard, and it was just you know, it was creative time. You know, unfortunately, I think a lot of artists today, because of computers, and you could have a studio in a in a closet. You know, I mean, you lose all that creativity. I think. Because uh, we didn't have unlimited tracks to record Mm. with, and we didn't have um, unlimited editing, auto-tune, all this stuff that computers offer. And a lot of it's great. But, you know, uh, when you take away a lot of that, what you gain is personal creativity and artist creativity. And, you know, when you don't have a ton of tracks and you have a a rhythm guitar to do, right. You know, and you don't have like 15 rhythm guitar tracks because that's what they do now. And, um, well, you, you get down to business and you, you get a, a, a stellar guitar sound and you get these killer parts and you work at it till you get it right. And, you know, so left, left to your own creativity, you, you come up with, you know, a lot of great stuff. And so, uh, you know, w- w- we got, we, we tried all sorts of stuff back then, you know, and, and, um, uh, you know, what's hilarious is how many doors we slammed <laughs> on life's been good yeah. just yeah. to get like, to get the right door slam, you know, <laughs> and now you just, you go online and you 
call up door samples and there's yes, like right. a, a thousand, 10,000 of them, right? Drop now. it in. But, yeah. <laughs> but that's not fun. What's fun is seeing the idiots run around a studio slamming doors <laughs> and the best one. So, but, um, you know, the reason I was very fortunate to, to work with Bill Simzik and Bill Simzik was, he was the original producer for the James gang. Yep. And and then he went on and did all the Joe stuff. He did the Eagles stuff. He did the Who, uh, Bob Seger. He he did the, the record Frankenstein with uh, um yeah uh, 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 yes Edgar Winter. And the reason they even called it Frankenstein because it was an instrumental is because there were so many edits in it. There were so many <laughs> cuts. They called it Frankenstein. That's great. I didn't know that. They told me that. And yeah, so, anyway. That. So because of Bill's incredible career, when I did a record or when Joe does, you know, he'd call, make phone calls. You know, we'd, you know, we'd get all these people in there. We'd get Don Felder or Joe or whoever. And, and, um, you know, on, on my second solo record, um, we had the Chicago horns on, on one song. I mean, and so, and we had Timothy B. Schmidt doing harmonies. And so, I mean, so he called in all his favors because he worked with all these people. And so, I mean, it was, I, I was lucky to have him because, um, I mean, I suppose I could have made a few calls and, and, it, but they would have probably charged me so much. I wouldn't have had the money and the budget to pay some of these guys, but yeah. the bill would just say, Hey, come on down, do me a favor sing on this or play guitar on this record. And they go, oh, okay, sure. You know? And so <laughs> I, I was, I lucked out and, um, and, you know, I talked to Bill still all the time. He's, he's kind of retired, but only semi-retired. He does some projects. Did he do, did he do Hotel California? I know you had pretty much oh, yeah. in a row. On Absolute, that. I was pretty sure absolutely. That one, so. Yeah. Man. What a what a landmark album to be, dude! I know to be part of. Yeah, you're I, part just, of that and the long run. I mean, come on, that's your, like your career yeah. is just insane, Joe. I don't know if you know this, well, but like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always say if you're gonna if you're gonna help write a song on an album, uh, Hotel California is probably a good album to, to do it on. <laughs> yeah. Probably a good one. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um, so your credits list is like a, it's like a who's who of rock royalty. You know, if you can brag on yourself for a minute or get a little introspective, what do you think it is about your playing and your personality that has kept you busy all these years with all these different iconic acts? Well, as far as my playing goes, um, you know, I, I studied and learned from, my my heroes you know and one of my heroes as far as drumming to records and songs is Ringo Starr and he you know he he taught us all how to play the song and not just play a whole bunch of fancy licks and all that he played the song and if it and and I learned by learning Beatles songs, you know, when you're a kid, you grow up and you put on Beatles records and you you study what he did and then you start doing it and you go, wow, this is incredible. You know, a lot of people uh, didn't recognize back then just how great he was. And, and uh, you know, they, they thought he was cool and all that. But remember, it was the fad then. It was yeah. the Beatles. And they, it wasn't, they didn't even look at him as, they looked at him as iconic figures and not, not necessarily even musicians. But but you grow to learn as, as time goes by that the stuff that Ringo did was just, it was song-wise, was, it was incredible. And so I kind of studied that. And um, 
you know, I studied uh, Hal Blaine played on all those records from the, the wrecking crew. Right. Yeah. And, and all his parts. I mean, so I was looking at it like, you know, I, I didn't ever want to be that fancy. One of my favorite drummers back in the, in the sixties was Dino Donnelly from the young rascals. Yeah. Yeah. And he was killer. Every, all the drummers that I knew, in the mid sixties, they all wanted to be Dino Donnelli because he was just cool as heck. He was just cool. And, uh, and his drumming was amazing. And so, uh, so as far as the drumming goes, I guess I, I learned how to hear a song and try to come up with, hopefully the part, the drum part that, uh, that, um, complements the song. Not just play time. That drum machine can do that. Mm-hmm. But but you, you just to complement the song. As far as personality goes, uh, I'm so happy to do what I do that that uh, I'm always in a good mood. <laughs> <show. laughs> I good. mean, I, I enjoy playing uh, even uh, on stressful sessions or stressful tours and all that. I, I try to make the best of it because I'm thankful to God that I can even still do this. That's and, awesome. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and so... You know, I mean, uh, personality-wise, I don't know. I And also, I've worked with a lot of guys, no names mentioned, that uh, aren't so fun. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and that's not leaving the big timers. I mean, like side guys or what, you know, sometimes it's like, dude, what? Are you, what why are you so mad? Look what you're doing, man. <laughs> right. Look, you want to go play at a bar back home? Look what you're doing here, yeah. you know? And so, so I'm really thankful to, to keep doing this, and I'm still doing it, and... Um, so, yeah, um, I don't know. And I guess those ingredients, plus having a good phone book of people that you work with, like ca- try to keep in touch with everybody. It's a lot easier now than years ago with, yeah, sure. with the Internet, with, with Facebook and, and all the social media stuff. It's really cool to keep in touch with people. And, and um, you know, years ago, it was difficult if you lost touch with somebody. I mean, it, it was gone, you know, because there was no... No you know, email. People had <laughs> no email that people had unlisted phone numbers on. Now you just go to Facebook and put their name in there. Hey, how you doing? You know, and, and <laughs> it's pretty, and you can see what they're up to and all that. So, uh, the communication things has exploded. It's so wonderful to, um, to, uh, to stay in touch with people now. And, and you, it, it, you don't, you don't have to always be in touch. Just, just drop by once in a while. It's really cool. Yeah. That's great. The, uh, I, I had one thing I was going to ask just before I forget. I, we, you know, we talked a lot about the who's who. You did Middleman with Boz Skaggs, and I know you didn't play on JoJo, but you got to be cool with Jeff Percaro or Rick Morata oh. and the other stuff. Those are that's good <laughs> drum legends man. to play opposite of. But uh, let's talk about the Polka Supergroup, known as the Tony V Trio, with uh, your dad on accordion <laughs> and brother on bass. I mean, come on, yeah. that's got to be yeah. that's got to be talked we- about. Yeah, we have a polka band, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, and uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're good. I was just, I was kind of dropping that in as a joke, but how awesome to be in the healing song with self-help songwriter Joseph as well. <laughs> same, same name and everything. What are the odds? That was crazy. Now, I if, know if you could do some sort of hockey collaboration with the other Joe who plays for the St. Louis blues, he's got the same name as you <laughs> as well too. I'd be, I'd be all set. Man. Are you a, are you a sports fan? Do you play hockey? Oh yeah. You, okay. Who's your team? Pick the sport. Oh man, I got I got to go with uh, with Cleveland all the way, man. Yeah, and and, okay. and that's sad because we hardly ever win. But Bra- Browns, Indians, <laughs> I was, Cavaliers. You know, Cavaliers, the Indians, oh. Browns. We we always come this close. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. Who, who's your? But I, I'm a I'm a 
a loyal fan, you know. Who's your favorite That's Cleveland great. Brown? Do you have a player that you liked? Were you a oh, Jim Brown. Jim, Jim Brown. Jim Brown. There you go. That's I, right. I, I went to see him play a couple of times That's cool. back in the 60s, and he was like superhuman. I mean, awesome. he was unbelievable. He'd run into the uh, uh, just a, 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 a big crowd of defensive guys. I, I mean, there's no way you could get through that. And all of a sudden, he pops through, and he goes and makes a touchdown. He was amazing. Yeah, my dad Incredible. loved the movie The Dirty Dozen, and Jim Brown's yes. in that. And that's one yeah, of my dad's favorite movies of all time. So yeah, yeah. I saw that's Jim great. Brown running a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are there are there uh, any modern uh, or, or more modern rock drummers now that you just look at and you go, yeah, these guys are really like, are there, you know, who are, who are some modern rock uh, drummers who really turn you on? Um. Well, I don't know of too many young guys that I'm listening to only because I know what I'm hearing and I, I, it, my, their names sometimes escape me because, cool. you know, without, you know, we used to buy record album, LP vinyl, yeah, sure. right? And even CDs, sometimes they would put, but rec back in the day of vinyl, you know, you'd listen to like, wow, who's this guy? And, yeah. and there, there were all the credits and all that. Yeah. So today... It's very, you know, I hear stuff on on uh, on YouTube or or even serious whatever, and I hear the this young band is like, man, who's that drummer? He's killing it, man. And so, and it's I gotta tell you, it's not easy to find <laughs> out who that is. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard. So, you know, there's there's a lot of guys. I'm I've been trying to make a list of guys that I like, but then again, here's another thing. A lot of bands they move around. People change bands. Back in our day, you know, like I mean, it would be like Aerosmith, still the same guys. You right. know, I I know Joey Kramer's kind of kind of semi-retired, but I mean, for all these years, it's been the same guys, right? Yeah. And and um, um, so um, um, a lot of the new kids, the kids on the block, the new kids on the block, I I, I their names escape me because. I'm trying to find who is that? Who's that? And it's very difficult to, uh, I, and if somebody knows how to do that, I'd like to know how to research <laughs> it. I look at allmusic.com. I look at all yeah. these sites and, and it's, it's not easy to find out who they are, but there's, sure. there's a lot of guys though, that, um, uh, more like in between my age and young kids, right. That I listen to. And, um, um, but uh, I'm I'm an old school guy, you know. I'm st I I still listen to, to all the Who stuff. I listen to you know, uh, I, I listen obviously listen to Beatles, but I listen to uh, uh, the late Charlie. What? I mean, come on, man, Charlie is, and and I when I do any kind of Zoom teaching, um, uh, I I work at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp once in a while. Oh, okay, and and we 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 work with young guys and all that. And the, the, these these flashy guys come in, these kids, right? And they're like, blah, blah. I said, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We're gonna let's try doing some Charlie Watts, okay? And 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 I get them to calm down and find a groove in a pocket, and that and and uh, so to me, still, I, I listen to uh, I, I listen and appreciate young guys and all that, but I still listen to uh, John Bonham. Are you kidding? I can't get enough of John Bonham. I listen to Bonham. Um, I listen to all them guys, you know, and um, there's so many great drummers out there. And um, and some of the newer guys, uh, I, I just got to get more familiar with them. That's yeah, all. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when but there's John Bottom, there's Ringo Starr, right? 
There's Keith Moon. Sure. And, I mean, there's just so many guys that um, that I grew up with, and, and that's who I listen to to learn. Excellent. Let me ask you one more thing, and then we got a question that we ask everybody before we cut you loose. Uh, All right. When you're when you're writing, do you often come from uh, a rhythmic place first, or does it? What's your what's your writing process like? Let's take for example. Let's take in the city. We haven't even talked about in the city yet, uh, which is of course a fantastic song of yours. Uh, what uh, what was your process like when you're writing in the city? Well, that's just a big power chord song. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. You right, and so um, that's uh, anytime you have powers like that, it's just this big aggressive power stuff, and so then you have to really kind of weed through that and try to find like a great melody that goes with that. Yeah. Because power chords are not so easy to write melodies to because they're they're not a whole lot of changes, mm-hmm. you know, and so they're just these big diamonds you're hitting, right? And so um, that song was mostly important to find a melody that that threads through all that okay. right whereas pretty maids all in a row that song was more like really vocal dependent on the, all these changes and i'll tell you the the harmonies and stuff that the eagles did on that are just beautiful and um uh so and and my writing uh process if you want to call that my father was a accordion piano player right and i was a drummer right but he always said you gotta learn the piano i said i don't want to learn the piano i'm a drummer (laughs) and he was like i got enough on my plate i don't want to he said just sit down and i'll show you some things and learn the piano god bless him because you know um that's what i write on right and so as far as a rhythmic uh approach to it you know i i don't necessarily have a rhythmic approach but any drummer that I know that plays other instruments, and there's several that I know uh, that play other instruments, they're like, everything's a drum to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when I play the piano, uh, I, I, I don't do these legato, like really w- weird runs. I mean, everything is, it's a drum, yeah. right? And so, so, but that being said, um, that really is cool to write songs like that because you know rock and roll is is nothing but rhythm and blues, right? So yeah. and you know and and I learned a lot from Don Henley writing lyrics, not necessarily my lyrics, but the rhythm of his lyrics. He's a drummer too, right? And he's he plays acoustic guitar, but all his songs are very rhythmic. And, and so, and when you listen to his vocals, you could shut, if you're in the studio with Henley, you could shut off everything and solo his vocal, right? And you will feel the pocket based on his vocal. That's cool. Because he's, he sings so rhythmically, right? And, and it's just, yeah, oh, no, no, he's, he's like one of the best at it. And Phil Collins was one of my friends and, 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 and is one of my friends and was the same way. His, all his stuff was, um, um, very rhythmic because i think once you're a drummer i think you're you're locked into that and that's the kind of approach you 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 know no matter what you play 
it's rhythmic, right? Yeah, that's so great. you live a percussive life. That's awesome. That's that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've uh, you know you've you've taught us about making friends and, and keep it. So go ahead and just get us contact information with Phil Collins, that's Phil right. Kaggy, any of the I'll Eagles. do that. Just go ahead and connect I, us. I can't the- guarantee you he'll answer you, but I can give it. To you. <laughs> <laughs> no, this has been a lot of fun, Joe. You've been great. I hope you've enjoyed yeah. yourself. Uh, one question we ask everybody. So you're on tour. Let's say you're on tour, either doing your solo stuff or. With e- with with eagles, not the eagles. There's no the in front. With eagles, and uh, you uh, you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of yours, I'll tell you mine. Fritos. Oh, I don't know. Fritos. Fritos. Boom. Go. Out the gate. Pow. This man knows what he likes. Fritos. I love it. High five and you through the uh, through the computer there, Joe. Nicely done. Uh, I love the Fritos. Yeah, man. Just so old fashioned original, not the honey barbecue. Just regular. Oh no, 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 old fashioned original. That's yeah. good stuff. That's good. Now, one thing we got. One thing we got coming up is um um uh, we're doing we, i'm playing with joe walsh we're doing the his, you know he does his vets aid yeah. every year and we're doing that this year in columbus ohio and it's on november 13th in columbus ohio and because it's ohio he's gr- getting all ohio people oh, and that's so great. yeah he's got um uh, the black keys he's got nine inch nails he did ask devo to play which would okay. have been awesome whip it but um <laughs> but one of the guys is uh getting over a surgery or something okay. and and so he's unable to make it so uh but um and the james gang of course are going to be there and so um uh and i, I think he asked chrissy hine i'm not sure she's going to make it but um anyway he it's a nice thing he does every year for the vets yeah that's great well please being as you're such a lifelong friend of his tell him that he is one of our favorites like absolutely. we absolutely love everything joe walsh like we be i want to get a helmet camera just to walk around with to play with just to have myself so please tell him he has some uh, other admirers here in tennessee so all right man this has been fun joe thanks so so much much for your time joe we'll catch up soon all right thank you guys talk to you later cheers thank you this is the great song podcast and that was joe vitale drummer extraordinaire songwriter lover uh you know (laughs) warrior warrior man just definitely a warrior he am the warrior Let's, uh, all right. What that, a guy. That's going to goo. That's going to goo. That's going to goo. Wow. <laughs> goo, goo, goo. See what happens when we put Joey in the room. Jeez. He's not even, uh, this is an unexpected surprise to come in. Thanks, Joey. And if y'all liked having Joey, you're going to love next week. That's right. If you didn't, hang around anyway. <laughs> yeah. Joey is our previously scheduled guest for <laughs> you next might week. skip next week if this was just horrible. No, but we'll be you. doing, uh, we'll go ahead and tease you guys. We're doing a rivalry week next week. That's right. Oh. We're wrapping up. A combo movie month rivalry week Mm -hmm. next week. With a special guest of Joey. So So it's going to be awesome. All right. Stick around. We'll see you next time on the Great Song Podcast. Until then, I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music. I love you. (laughs)